0: Welcome back to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings
1: podcast. I'm your host, Sean Marcelet. Thank you for listening and thank you for joining us today. We are talking about cooking when you're blind. And I have two co hosts with me, Keisha and Colby. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies.
2: Hello. Well, hello.
1: hello. Uh, thank you for joining me. So I thought, uh, I think that people have a lot of questions about how do you navigate cooking? Uh, and I think it's an important topic for us to talk about starting, you know, even with like, getting the food from the store. <laughs> so we're going to mm-hmm. dive into all of that in a moment, but maybe before we start, maybe we could both, we could all introduce ourselves and just share like, what is your level of experience with cooking? Are you a beginner? Are you an intermediate level? Are you an expert? Uh, are you a chef? You know, where are we at? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I Gotta own up. I've probably maybe already confessed this at some point. Not a super huge fan of cooking myself. Um, I mean, I have lived independently for, you know, multiple years at a time, at, at times in my life, and not died, so survived, fed myself. Um, I know how to make some things, I, I know how to cook basic stuff, but yeah, I I don't really enjoy it. And I'm really grateful to have a husband who likes to cook. So I would call myself like more than a beginner, but I don't know, not, not an amazing cook somewhere in the middle there.
2: I would say that I don't think I'm a beginner, but I'm definitely not like where I was before. I can make some basic things I would say. And I'm lucky because people in my house will cook for me, so it's not like I really have to do it right now.
3: Yeah, so I would say I'm a pretty good cook. Sometimes I make a meal and it is just like unreal and sometimes I make a meal and I just can't believe what garbage I just produced (laughs) um (laughs) so uh but usually it's it's a it's a pretty good meal and not not too not amazing not bad it's just it's nice it is yummy um and I have uh recently discovered that I like in probably in the last year or two um, just how much I love to cook for like a group. Like I, I'm really enjoying, like, I, I love cooking for like, you know, my family. Um, so, you know, that used to mean roommates. Now it means my boyfriend and, um, or whoever, whatever, uh, friends or family we can bring home <laughs> who want to eat some dinner. I, I have way more motivation to cook for, um, the group than I do to cook for just myself. <laughs> And I just, uh, yeah, I love to, I love to bring food to the table and uh, observe them enjoying it.
1: That is so interesting because I am the total opposite. And one of the reasons that I don't cook is because my husband is such a good cook that I feel like, well, anything I make is going to be, you know, like my tuna casserole compared to his butter chicken from scratch is like, how do you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. I feel intimidated and cooking for other people that aren't my family. Whew, like that's like <laughs> high level anxiety for me. So I'm impressed that like, it's interesting. That's your motivation where I'm like, if it's just me, yeah, I'll cook something. Cause the stakes are low. If I don't like it, who cares? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, I feel like it's hard to cook for one or two people and it's easier to cook like more food than less food. I don't know Mm. why. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That might be true. I feel like then there's leftovers. If it's Mm -hmm. like, I just will cook for more people and eat it for more days or more meals. And those are meals I don't have to cook again. (laughs)
3: Yeah, me as well. (laughs) And I don't know, like for me, like the whole, the whole process of cooking, like if I'm cooking just for myself, it it reeks of effort. I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm just gonna eat my veggies and hummus. Like I'm going to do this. Like sometimes I'll cook a big meal and usually I, I go to bed feeling healthier and better when I cook myself a big meal, but I was like, oh, that was a, that was a big process but when I'm like cooking for people and I'm imagining, I'm like, oh, you know, um, so-and-so is going to ha- taste this. I can't wait to hear what they say. Like, I just can't, I'm so excited to fill their bellies. Like, this is going to be awesome.
1: Wow. So you're pretty confident that what you're making, they're uh, going to enjoy. I don't know that I'm confident about,
3: because I've definitely finished a meal and been brought into my roommates and been like, good luck, fellas. But um <laughs> but for the most part i I feel pretty pretty stoked and and often i'll take a few more like culinary risks if i'm gonna feed some more people because i'm like oh let's let's try a new recipe that maybe they'll enjoy it
1: oh you'd actually try a new recipe on other people yeah oh that's like
2: i would do that too
1: really (laughs) oh so brave you guys so brave (laughs) okay so Let's, let's talk about grocery shopping first. Got to get those, that food home and into Mm -hmm. the kitchen. So, um, how do you guys go about getting your groceries or do you?
3: So I've done it a number of different ways since I've been living on my own. Um, I have gone to the grocery store and gone up to the customer service desk, you know, list in hand and asked them to help me find the things. And they would just walk with me and we would go to the different aisles and get things. Um, I have gone with my friends or like my uh like my partner or family members and done it that way. Um I've also in the past couple of years been a big old fan of uh on grocery orders like Instacart. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the the place where I'm currently living, the, it's a smaller community, so can't do that anymore. So gotta go back to relying on other people a bit more slash um. If I could find, like, if I could figure out my way around a grocery store, that'd be great. But it's just, um, it's very time consuming, I find.
1: Yeah. You know, I'd be like pulling out an app. What's this can? What's this can? Yeah,
3: <laughs> it would take a long that? time. Like, it's, it's certainly doable, but I definitely have a lot of other things to do
1: in a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Colby, because- have you done grocery shopping?
2: Yeah. So I've done a couple different things. So I've gone with people family members to the store i've also done some ordering and i have also gone to a grocery store and asked them to come with me and um we go around like Keisha said
1: yeah i think mostly i i did the bring the list thing and i I I did do a few like grocery orders and there's always something that ends up in your order, at least in my experience that I didn't order or like they'll substitute because they didn't have that other thing. So they throw this other thing in instead, which can really throw you off if you don't know what it is. (laughs) Um, But I do think the benefit of like taking a list is that, uh, there's no impulse buying you're only going to get what's on your list, which, you know, I feel excited. People are distracted by the new flavor of Doritos or whatever it is. And then end up buying things <laughs> that maybe weren't on the list that they didn't really need, which I imagine uh, shopping online blows that out of the water, water, right? Cause you can't impulse kind buy. of,
3: unless I'm going through like the snack category and I'm like, Oh yes. man, look at those Kit Kats or whatever. Like think of, I'm just imagining it in my head. And then um, but yeah, usually like one thing about online orders is for me, it, because it has the price right there, it makes me super conscious of what I'm spending. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm very much like, and then I start stressing out quite aggressively. Cause I'm like, oh gosh, like, but, um, and the other thing is like with online orders, like there's, there's a significant delivery fee, but I always think to myself, I'm probably gonna, if I was going to the store by myself, I'd probably be taking a cab anyway, um, just because of all of the things I'd have to bring home. So I can
1: justify it that way, but
3: yeah, it definitely helps. I think really fine tune what you're buying and you're not so distracted. I don't, think.
1: Yeah. I remember those days of the backpack loaded up and then like two bags in the left hand cane in the right trucking home, <gasps> yep. walking a few blocks with my groceries.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not so fun. Mm-hmm. So how do you guys go about organizing your food once you get at home?
1: Um, well, I'm going to just say that my kitchen is so not organized because <laughs> I am not the person who cooks and actually it can be very challenging. Um, my husband likes to see all the things, so he tends to leave things on the counter, or have like a whole bunch of bottles of things all across the top of the stovetop. Um, or I don't know, like everything's just kind of spread everywhere. So it could be anywhere. So I don't have good systems. I I definitely did things differently when I lived alone, but uh, Keisha, how do you organize things?
3: Yeah, I'm not the most organized either. Um, that being said, things do have their own cupboard. They do have their own spot. Um, and like if I went grocery shopping and I felt the boxes and the cans and you know, I know what they all feel like and stuff. I, I pretty, I usually remember like what it was later, although some like cans often look the same. So then I, I'm often using like an OCR, um, like the app that I'm using right these days is called Voice Dream Scanner. And so I'll just like take, basically take a picture and then my phone will tell me what the label says. But then sometimes it's a case of like, especially with cans, like rotating, rotating, rotating yes. until you find the <laughs> right label. <laughs> Yes. And, um, that can be very frustrating. Um, but I'm, uh, when somebody's home, like I can ask them, um, but I was living alone for quite a while. So I was, it was just me trying to figure it out. And sometimes these days I'm just stubborn. So I like to figure it out. Um, but definitely like one time I taught, well, I taught one of my, my friends, um, Braille and she's cited and, uh, one thing she knew I really wanted was braille labels on things, but I just never had time. And she was kind of living on my couch for a while. And I, I didn't expect rent from her because she was a buddy of mine. And uh, so as one of the things to contribute back to the household, she brailled a bunch of my stuff. And I just couldn't believe what a difference it made. And I was like, I wish I was had more time to do this because this is so awesome. Like reaching into the spice cupboard and knowing what the spice is um, but yeah, I mean, I do try to put things back in the same spot. Um, and yeah, OCR is my best friend and, uh, and you know, some, some things like some baking things, you know, putting them in like a container, um, and that sort of thing is really helpful.
1: I used to use elastics around cans. So I'd have like the, I don't know, Ooh. the mushroom soup would have one elastic and the other kind might have two and another kind tomato soup had no elastics and, you know, tuna cans feel different. Like, Mm -hmm. but because I don't cook sometimes those cans yeah. would be in the cupboard for a while and the mm-hmm. elastics would sometimes snap. And so I'd go in to reach for oh, something God. and there was just <gasps> little piles of old elastic. <laughs> <laughs> and I had no idea what can was what. And I did, I remember once thinking it was mushroom soup, but it was mushrooms just floating in the water, you know, and dumped it in to make casserole. Not quite the same. Oh, yeah, no. lots of mishaps in my life in the kitchen.
2: Yeah. Are there special tools, or gadgets you have purchased?
1: Uh, Not me. I I think the only thing that I use all the time is like measuring cups that like the one cup, half cup, quarter cup, third cup, instead of like a, you know, you can have like a bigger one that measures multiple cups in the same thing. I, I don't ever use that because I can't see the lines on it. And, um, I guess my other favorite thing, cause I mean, there's minimal things because I don't do things in the kitchen much, but is the cheese grater from Ikea that has, it's like a bowl and you put the grater on top. So the grated cheese just falls into the bowl and then it comes with this lid. So you can take the grater off and put a lid on and put it in the fridge. If you don't use all the cheese,
0: Ooh, I just think no. it's the best
1: invention ever it has nothing to do with blindness. Well, it does in a way because the cheese grates into the bowl so you don't have to like hold it over a plate or you know whatever it, it's pretty it
3: great really wow cool. that's awesome um I think for me like <laughs> actually my kitchen right now is not tremendously like blindified at the moment um <laughs> but that's <laughs> mainly for, for a few reasons I mean um first of all, I just haven't taken a lot of time to do braille labeling, but I would love to have the time. It's just, it just, you know, it's kind of always falls back on the list. And the other thing is, um, a lot of specifically made blind equipment is like, um, or like adaptive equipment is expensive. So it's kind of like a case of making it at home or that kind of thing. I, I, that's my experience, but I would love recommendations if y'all found like nice deals and stuff. Um, but I will say like, whenever I've had... Uh, braille labeled cups, cup measuring cups. I love those. Um, Those are super handy. Um, And another one that I love is, (laughs) I don't have one right now, but I would love one. Uh, If anyone's listening, uh, family, Christmas (laughs) present. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, you can also take that out, Rob. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Anyway, uh, my grandma has this cutting board that like you cut things up and it's flat and then you can flip up the sides and pour it into the bowl or into the pan or whatever. And it's like, it keeps all the veggies and stuff on there.
2: Oh,
3: and I, was, oh, I love sweet. it. It's super handy. And I think you can buy them at, at probably any kitchen store, but I just, I found that super cool. Um, and then for me, like, I guess it's not really gadgets, but I, I, I sticker up I sticker up my, my appliances, probably get Mm -hmm. into that a bit later. Um, And then, and then in terms of gadgets, like, like I said earlier, the app that I use on my phone voice Dream scanner has been it's free and it's been a great little piece of assistive tech that I use for a lot of my daily tasks. Um, So yeah, I'd say those
1: are some of my favorite things. Do you have either of you used uh, the Instapot? no no okay because like of course i bought the wrong one um but there's one that you can connect to your smartphone and control the settings and stuff on your phone which sounds pretty cool but i do have to give a little bit of a like (laughs) it's not instant you still have to cook (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah it's not, and it's not even like throw all the ingredients in the pot and walk away. It's like, no, no, saute this and that, and then add that, and then add this. It just makes the cooking part faster. It doesn't make the like the preparing part any easier. So I feel like that's a bit of misguided advertising for the instant pot.
3: So for your like, are you imagining like an instant pot being like, so you're making a stew, you put the big slab of meat, the onion, the carrot, all of it goes into the pot, then the robot who lives inside of it. Does yes, the-
1: <laughs> that is what I'm looking for. Exactly. In fact, if the robot could just put all the ingredients in as well, <laughs> even better. <laughs> I, it'll get there, Sean. <laughs> Maybe. I think I just need to hire a chef, but yeah. Uh, the dream. <laughs>
2: So, how do you navigate touch screen to devices? Yes, I want to speak to this. So, uh,
3: I actually just moved, and um, every, well, most most of the kitchen appliances are quite touch screeny. Ugh, uh, <laughs> um, that being said, like our stove right now is a combination of like touch screen and dial. Um, love me some. Good old dial
0: stoves; mm-hmm. those make
3: me super happy. Yes. Super easy to label and pay attention to the indicators. Um, the touchscreen ones are really annoying. So I uh, basically I had us um, like my partner showed me where the touch like the buttons were for on for the oven and like off and you know the up and down arrows and that sort of thing and and we just put some stickers on there like some tactile stickers. That's kind of what I use. And they just, you have to push a little bit harder, but not not by much. Um, so it doesn't do any damage or anything. And then um, that's kind of how we, we navigate that. It's the same thing with the microwave, just tactile stickers for for that. And then um, for me, the other thing like a lot of people have asked me in the past is like, when you have a flat top stove, mm-hmm. how can you tell like where the burner is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, I've lived in, in homes that have had both the, you know, good old, um, burner tops and also the flat. I currently have a flat top stove. Uh, luckily that's what I learned to cook on when I was a a kid, uh, like a teenager and a kid. Um, and I mean, I just, I just turn on the burner I want on and kind of like hover my hand over it and just feel the heat emanating and then, you know, adjust the pot or pan accordingly. But, Um, also when the stove is off, you can also kind of feel like if you feel very carefully, there's like kind of an outline to the Mm -hmm. burn, like the, the inside of the burner is kind of smooth and the outside has like a slight ripple that kind of shows you that it's, that it's the outside. So anyway, John, what do you think?
1: Yeah, same. That's totally, I have a flat top (laughs) stove and I can feel the elements, but it's harder once the element is turned on, you know, back in the day. In the olden days when stoves had.
3: (laughs) When you cooked over a fire. (laughs) Not
1: not that far back. (laughs) When they had their elements protruding, I don't know how you say it. Um, I was taught to use like a wooden spoon. And, and kind of yes. use it to trace around the outside of the pot to make sure that it was centered on the element. Oh um, yeah, but now it. that's that doesn't work with the flat top. So it's really just sort of push it over if the heat feels like it's coming out more on one side than the other. And you kind of just learn where to position your pot, like almost like a kinesthetic memory of where it should go. Mm-hmm. So I don't find it a problem and it's, a, it's so nice to to clean. Having the flat top, Big just time. don't do it before the element is cooled off. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> good good little tip. Yep. Yes.
3: I, I recently um, encountered a, have you guys ever used like um, a Samsung lawn, uh, washer and dryer? Um, they have like the buttons, but they're always going offset and they're really... <laughs> No, those no. I I'm still like, I, I don't get defeated often. Um, I usually find a way and I know you guys are the same way, but my Lord, those, those wash dryer drive me around the bed. Well, <laughs> so what do they do? Well, cause usually with a washer and dryer, like I can learn where the settings are and I can kind of learn like yes. use like button, like um stickers and stuff to do, use, make indicators and whatnot. But with these ones, it's like, they have these dials that are constantly changing. Like, so you can't preset them and have them just stay that way for load after load. Like every load is different oh. and it's hard to find like where the indicator is.
1: Um, oh. Actually, that's when, really annoying. when we moved into our house, <clears throat> um, Derek actually broke the dial so that I could access the underneath of the plastic Ooh. to be able to feel where to line it up because that was happening. So then we were able to put a sticker on the underneath part, and then you'd line up that sticker with the sticker on the outside. And yeah, so that's what we did because we owned it. Mm -hmm. And actually when our washer and dryer died and we had to replace it, it was really funny because everything's touchscreen. And I was like, no, I'm not buying touchscreen. Like that doesn't work for me. I'm the one that does the laundry just so in case anyone's thinking I'm really lazy, I don't cook, but I do clean.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, we we got the old fashioned something with actual buttons and dials. So it's pretty old school, but works great. Thankfully you can still buy them. And it was cheaper than the touchscreen option. So nice. Yeah.
3: For the yeah. win. Um, well, that's, that's a good tip because, uh, so that just goes to show everyone that there is always a way.
1: <laughs> right. Yes. awesome so back to the kitchen <laughs> out of the laundry room
2: <laughs> yes do you have any safe chopping practices i don't i oh. just try to <laughs> i just do it carefully
1: keep my fingers out of the way i don't think anybody uh-huh. i don't remember being taught how to chop so i don't know the right way. Like I, I have my left pointer finger on the thing and I'm sliding it along as I chop. So I kind of are measuring how much I want to slice or or chop and just mm-hmm. keep my fingers out of the way. But do you have actual techniques, Keisha? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean,
3: I I also like when I'm when I'm doing things quick and I'm just doing whatever. I mean sometimes I'm a little like more cash about things, but I do try to like, so I'll, will you know, I'm right-handed, so I'll have the knife in the right hand. Then I will be holding the, you know, whatever it is in the left hand. So say it's a carrot. And, um, and similar to Sean, I do use my finger quite often or, um, as a kind of a measuring device, or I will like kind of, um, feel like the distance of, my blade scraping along the vegetable and that'll kind of deter help me determine like the surface area and the amount that I want to cut but for me when I'm holding the carrot or whatever it is I'll I'll try to like curl my index and thumb kind of back a little bit and under it's um it 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 took me some time to kind of figure out the exact position but I know like that when I was learning how to cook and like um my like parent was like showing me how to do it and whatnot I would she was very much like make sure you don't chop your fingers off Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I was like always like trying to do that um but yeah so I'll try to like keep her back um and I've I've always really admired like I love cooking with people and like you know some people can chop so fast it's like and I'm just like oh I want to be like that so I've like I've slowly been trying to like learn how they do that and it's an it's a it's I mean, part of it is there is like sight, but I, I don't, I'm like, I'm going to do that anyway, blind or not. And I'm like, that's, um, and I'm like, you know, I think it's the way, it's also the way you angle your blade and it kind of angles it. Well, at least the way I do it, it kind of angles the blade away from your fingers, which is more, is kind of convenient. Um, mm. for that whole thing of not chopping your fingers. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, you know, make yourself, oh, fam- oh. make sure you're familiar with the blades that you're using. Um, just remember they're sharp. And, um, you know, don't be, you know, flailing those fingies about too much and keep them nice and tucked. If you can, um, that's, that, that's honestly my
1: best like advice. Do you have any advice for, uh, chopping onions and not crying? Cause I don't know about you, but my eyes are <sighs> so sensitive. Even if someone else yes. is chopping onions and I'm in the room, it's like
3: painful. And part of that is because, um, your tear receptors are also accessible through your nose so um because i often
2: oh,
3: really yep so i that's why when you cry you know um yeah. not comes out of your nose sorry guys um <laughs> <laughs> fun fact um but <laughs> um but that because there's they're connected right so um I, I know for me i because i don't need my site to do the shopping anyway i'll close my eyes Mm-hmm. um i'm chopping onions or sometimes i'll put some sunnies on or like uh i'll borrow so, like if i have someone in the house who has safety glasses so I'll use yeah those. actually my one roommate i lived with and she's she was she's sighted and she uh used safety glasses when she was cutting onions but um and she called them <laughs> her onion glasses <laughs> she'd be like where's my onion glasses anyway
1: that's a good <laughs> and, idea.
3: Uh, but. The sneaky thing about it is that it doesn't really matter unless you can clamp your nose shut as well, because yeah. that fume is sneaking in there most likely and getting oh. you. But my grandma always used to say, uh, "Whistle while you're cutting onions," and it will like blow the fumes away.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that makes so much <laughs> sense.
2: Mm-hmm. I've heard if you run your onions under cold water, oh, and then cut them. Um, they're supposed to be better that
3: way. It's like the the fumes get scared Less into stingy. them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Maybe. I don't know if it's true or not, but mm.
3: I mean it's worth a try.
2: How do you know when water is boiling? And I'm not sure if we want to talk about like a cup of boiling water or like a pot of boiling water.
3: I think like a pot probably is yeah, a good example I, in this I,
1: scenario. I, I feel like yeah. the kettle shuts off yeah, <laughs> when it like boils yells at you and stuff That's been, yes. or it screams. Yeah. Yeah. But a pot, um, I can hear it. I don't, I can, yes. it totally sounds different. Yeah.
3: Cause like when it's heating up, you know, it, it starts off with like the shh sound and then it goes into the bubbling sound.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I know some people though, will put something in the bottom of the pot and then it starts to rattle okay. Yeah, I've never I've done that, that myself, but have you, sorry, what was that, Colby?
2: No, I haven't. I haven't done that, but I've heard of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Also, I think like if you take like the back of a spoon and try to touch the top of the surface of the water with the back of the spoon, you can feel more vibration. The of bubbles. The yeah, I think so. But I've never really needed to actually even test that or do that because you can totally hear it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: it's pretty obvious when it's boiling
2: yeah what are your strategies for, for pouring hot liquids
1: right
3: uh, I, this is the part where i'm supposed to give you a
2: safe no <laughs> i don't use
1: a safe yeah there is a liquid level indicator that you can purchase that you can set on the edge of your cup that will beep when the water touches it I don't have one. I you
3: have would one just like. To say- I do not. I um. I so well, the thing that I often do, guys, if I'm making a cup of tea, is I'll pour the hot water, and I'll just really quickly dip my finger in, super quick, mm-hmm. and then I I just know where the level is. I don't get burned, but it's because I'm doing it super quick, and then that's that. But
1: no, I totally. I I do lots of things. <clears throat> I pour the boiling like literally the kettle just clicked off and I'm pouring my tea now, like pouring mm-hmm. it over my tea. So I will sometimes, um, I pour, if, if I'm not listening to something like a podcast or audiobook, I can actually hear, I can pretty much gather by the sound when I've got enough water. Um, but if I'm not, if it's, you know, a louder environment, sometimes I'll pour and then pick up the mug for weight Um, but yeah, I will also do the finger thing just to like, I, I just, it's really frustrating when you think you had enough water to steep your tea and then you go to take the tea out and you didn't have enough water. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm doing the same thing. I'm totally checking with my finger. And I feel like that finger probably has developed (laughs) some resilience, let's
3: just call it. (laughs) Yes. <clears throat> but I'm not like out here, like, you know, leaving my finger in and stirring and pain with and your I'm finger. Just, yeah. Like, I, it's like the quickest, quickest dip.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Totally. Mm-hmm. It works. I do that as well.
1: Nice. <laughs> cool.
2: yeah. We all have
1: resilient fingers, Team Dip.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I do just want to say one thing about the level liquid indicator. Mm -hmm. I've got two different ones. I find the one of them is too long and the other one is too short. Oh, Oh. no. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst. (laughs) Yes. Well, I think the longer
1: one, there is one that will have two different tones of beeps. So if you were doing like coffee, pouring coffee into your cup and then wanting to add the milk, You can get the second beep for the, for the adding the milk. But yes, I agree with you. It ends up that there's not enough in the cup. (laughs) Like your cup is like, yeah, yeah, it's like, who's drinking this.
3: (laughs) But definitely if that is the route that you choose listeners, I would totally give it a try. I would love to have one. I just haven't gone around to getting one yet. They're not too expensive either. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Good Good to hear. Might be a good thing to start with if you if you don't want to go straight to the, finger the dip. Yeah. Yeah. And also parents, I know you might be out there like, oh but yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So there are there are ways. You don't have to just do the dip. And and always start with cold <clears throat> liquids when you start practicing pouring. Don't go straight to the kettle. Yeah. Boiling water. Yeah.
2: Exactly. <laughs> All right. How do you tell when meat is cooked? Okay. Funny quick story. I
3: actually remember being Quite a bit younger and asking Sean this very question.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh wow! And now you're like cooking
3: instructor. I'm so proud. Oh, isn't it nice? I remember being like, "How do I know when the ground beef is fully cooked, Sean?" Did I,
1: did I smell? Did I say that it starts smelling like something you'd want to eat? <laughs>
3: yes, I think you did.
1: Because <laughs> it's so gross smelling before it's cooked. Like I feel and like the amount of sizzle kind of goes away if I'm making like ground beef for tacos or something. That's probably the only ground beef I've ever cooked, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it likes it sizzles less. It smells better. That's honestly, and, and a little bit of change in the texture, right?
3: Oh yeah. Like when you're putting your wooden spoon or whatever over it, it's, you know, because by then you've, you've kind of chopped it up with your spoon and it's, it's, it's that ground texture. So it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of a harder texture, le- less bouncy, more kind of, you know, um, little bits, right? Mm-hmm. Little dry bits.
1: Um, But for things like chicken, um, Mm -hmm. like baked in the oven, it's very much time is what Mm -hmm. I go by. Um, You know, yeah, just, and probably overcook versus undercook because I'm a little paranoid about that. Me as well. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever, because I've never like cooked a steak or anything. Have you ever, have you done that Keisha?
3: Um, So I've definitely cooked chicken on the stove top which is a whole, like, um, you know, it's a whole uh, thing in itself. Um, and I've done pork chops and uh, I think I've done lamb and I've done fish. Uh, I've never done steak. And the reason being is I'm always a little bit scared that I'm not going to cook that enough. I mean, it, it's, it's weird with steak though, because like a lot of people cook it to a point where it is kind of raw. Yeah. Um, and it is actually kind of desirable that way, but I just, I'm really scared of food poisoning people. And so I am, I am of the mind that overcooking is better, but I would rather not overcook my steaks because I actually love medium rare. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I leave that to the, to the experts. Um, but one day I would love to learn how to, how to cook it. I know one person who was a cook um, tried to explain to me that there's like this finger trick you can do where you like, um, hold your hand like and you put your thumb against each finger. And I, I can't remember exactly how it was. So don't, don't mark my words here, guys. But it was like if you put your, your thumb and your index together and then you feel your palm of your hand, it's kind of squishy. That means that's like a rare steak texture. Then you put your, if you put your middle and your thumb together, then it's like a, um, you know, medium rare. If you put your ring finger and your thumb together, it's, it's, you know, um, well, like medium and then. Pinky and and, um, thumb together is well well done, but I was like, I'm still not risking it. But so for me, um, like with chicken, yeah. My rule of thumb is I would rather cook it too long than not long enough. And I don't burn it, um, but yeah, like baking in the oven is honestly like the most surefire way in my opinion to make sure it's cooked. Um, But even when I cook it on the stove, like I'll just do a little extra time make sure it's good. And if I'm with, if there is somebody who is sighted around, I'll ask them, like, is, does it, is there any pink bits? Okay, we're good to go. But often if I'm alone, yeah, I'll just go a little extra time. And, um, and honestly, my other philosophy is the smaller that you chop chicken into or meats into, the better it's going to cook. So when I'm making stir fries, um, meats are cut into smaller pieces. So they're more likely to cook fully through Mm-hmm. And they're always the first thing I put into the pan when I'm cooking. And then, the, you know, everything else gets added. And by the time it all like sits and does its thing, it's, it's all ready to roll. Yeah. Um, so the other thing there is, um, just so you guys know what the resources are like, there are talking thermometers.
2: Oh, meat thermometers. <clears throat> I was going to ask yeah. if you have one.
3: I don't, but one of my aunties actually bought one when I was like uh, a kid, and she used to use it all the time, even when I wasn't there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's cool. Cause my husband uses a meat thermometer all the time. And yeah, that seems like a surefire way to
2: not sure poison. The inside anyone. is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What strategies really helped you when you were learning how to cook?
1: I guess consistency, like. I didn't learn until I was in university and I actually did get, um, support from the CNIB. I worked with an independent living skills instructor. And so I would go to the CNIB like every two weeks and learn another recipe. I mean, I was living in residence and had to feed myself at that time. So once every two weeks (laughs) I had a good meal, but (laughs) I ate a lot of bagels that year. Um, yeah. So I think just like accountability, like, I feel like I need, I need to be forced to do it in order to do it. And the more you do it, the more, the easier it gets and the more comfortable you feel.
3: Yeah. I, I think that if people are listening and you, you are, you know, a young person who is visually impaired, who's learning to cook, or you're a parent of a young person who's visually impaired learning to cook, like, um, well, I would say like, really, you know, especially to to you parents, I know it's can be kind of scary because there's lots of things that can, can hurt your kid in a kitchen, but um, really work on some concept development. Like look at what the different tools and what they do in the kitchen, you know, have them help you with, with prepping meals. Like I know my, my mom had me like helping her uh, when I was like young, quite a bit younger when I was a little kid, like, you know, I would chop some veggies or I would make salad or you know, I would, you know, put do the rice or, um, you know, things like that, just like simpler parts of the meal. And she would do like the main things. And then, of course, you know, I was doing dishes and stuff too. So it was just like having, like, you know, have your kid helping out or ask your parent to let you help out <laughs> um, or just like, you know, ask questions. What do these things do? There's still kitchen pools that I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, what does this do? Um, and it's actually like a really useful tool still, uh, like to other people I didn't realize until now. And then, um, I don't know, like, um, if you can get like excited about it, like if you can, uh, find recipes that you're kind of excited about and, and, you know, just try, um, like once, once you have your foundational concepts and you know how to do some, you know, use this, the instruments and the tools and stuff, like. Just give it a try
2: and see what you can do. So how do you, how do you avoid burning yourself when um, you use the oven?
1: Yeah, um, okay. <clears throat> so tip one, if you're going to be putting something in the oven, check the racks before you before you preheat it so you can feel where they are. Um, and then I always wear oven mitts. And if you can maybe get ones that are, you know, A bit longer. I did burn my forearm on the top of the oven in the early days. So just a little, I mean, you only got to do that once or twice and you learn, but (laughs) it's nice to not. Uh, and then I always pull the rack out before I lower my baking sheet or dish onto the rack and then push it in. So you're not like reaching into the oven to put something in there. You're like, I don't pull it out all the way, but I pull it out maybe half of the way. So when I'm lowering my dish onto the rack, it's, it's sticking out a little bit and it's a lot easier to kind of feel where I'm going there. Um, and then, yeah, obviously. And I do the same thing when I'm pulling it out of the hot oven, pull the rack out first about halfway and then lift the dish, put it on top of the stove and then push the rack back in and close the stove.
3: I think that kind of covers it. Um, Yeah, just making sure you're really kind of aware of how it all looks, um, you know, familiarizing with a cool oven beforehand, like Sean said, knowing, knowing how the layout works, if you're not familiar, um, and then yeah, using oven mitts is always a great idea. (laughs) And, um, yeah, I would, I would agree with all of those facts.
1: Okay. So this question is, is my question, um, what about serving the food or plating the food? Like I watch a lot of cooking shows, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> so do I. Do you? It's just funny because I I just, it's fun to watch. So I feel like I know a lot about cooking, but some of it I haven't done. But plating is important in MasterChef, for example. It's very important yes. how it looks, right? But even just like serving myself, if it's like passing the bowls, around the table and serving myself. I, it's really awkward because I don't know how much I've put on my plate. And I also don't know how much everyone else has put on their plate or how much is left in the bowl. And I don't want to like take more than my share or, um, or not take enough too. like that happens where I go home and I'm still hungry because I didn't take enough because I wasn't sure, you know, how much was appropriate. So Keisha, how do you navigate that?
3: First, I have a funny story that totally relates. Um, when I was a little kid, I was using like salad tongs or whatever to get yeah. some salad on my plate. And I th- think I grabbed like most of the salad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I remember uh, like one of my family members at the table being like, dude, you just took <laughs> all leave some for us man yeah they were just like not impressed um it was hilarious like I think I was pretty like I was pretty embarrassed but now it's so funny but um so how I kind of navigate that uh is I will often wait until everyone has served oh and Um, just dump the
1: rest of it onto your
3: plate (laughs) (laughs) um yep no uh no I just will wait until they're all served because then I know for sure everybody's had some and then I kind of um will take the utensil that's in the bowl so say it's a bowl of veggies and I'm I use the utensil and I'm like okay this is how much is left I do a little bit of mental math it's quite a process um and I imagine like all the people at the table and I do a little mental math I'm like how much is left okay I can kind of imagine how much everybody took so uh you know Uh, we got we got a couple you know um fully grown adults here, a couple little kids. I, and then, um, and then I'm, then I'll serve myself accordingly. And, and then, um, and then I'll, I'll usually underserve a little bit. And then, well, depending on who I'm with, if they're like a horde of hungry Anderson's, then I'll (laughs) try to make sure I have some food before it's gone. But, um, but yeah, no, usually like I'll, I'll, and then sometimes I'll even ask, like, um, did like, if it's like a, a thing, like a, a piece of chicken, I'll be like, did you guys have two pieces? Like, am I out of line here? And mm-hmm. people be like, no, we totally did. And then I'll grab some. Um, one thing I was trained, you know, into when I was a little kid was never taking the last of anything, mm-hmm. um, or always asking beforehand. It's so funny. Cause that's so ingrained in me. I still do that to this day. And I have friends who are like, why do you always ask? And I'm like, cause can you imagine like you didn't get any of that delicious thing and then somebody just took it and didn't ask and then you wanted it like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what about uh, things like salad dressing or syrup or, you know, those mm-hmm. kinds of things that you're putting onto your food?
3: Oh, I wish I had better ideas for you. One that just popped into my head though. Um, so usually I, will uh I don't know just kind of like um hope for the best. I I actually like syrup is one of the things that I hate putting on food. I love it, but when it's but like putting it on is hard because it sometimes it runs fast, sometimes it runs slow depending on temperature. Yeah. Um but I just had this idea that I should really try. Wow. Um which is like you know those little dip cups? Yeah. Um, if you're having a salad, like you could put some dressing into like one of those little dip cups and then, and then scoop it onto your salad that way. And that way you have portion control, mm-hmm. um, in that method. But I don't know, what are you, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Oh, I'm very much just ask someone else or go without. Cause it's, I mean, I will sometimes, um, not syrup. I don't usually do syrup. I'll, I'll, I'll eat my French toast without, because it's too, you don't want, you don't want too much syrup. Like that's not okay. And I can put other things on pancakes like peanut butter or jam or something else easier. No. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. But salad dressing, um, I don't like a lot of salad dressing and the idea of too much is so that Mm -hmm. yeah, I'll, I'll just not have any, or I'll try like a quick, you know, sort of like tilt and up Mm -hmm. and, and that's, I get what I get and I don't get upset.
3: (laughs) Yeah. See, I'm a, I'm a little bit more like I want what I want. So I go and I like some, I just remember this is one thing I do is I'll, I will like, if I'm doing like soy sauce. Oh, one thing I do with soy sauce is it usually I get the screw top lids and then I'll like pour soy sauce into the lid and then pour it on oh, the rice. That's a good idea. Um, but so say it's something like, okay, I just thought, I just think I know how I deal with syrup. Um, which is just like, I'll pour, I'll pour a quick little bit because it's better to do less than too much. Yes. yes. And then I'll like, sometimes I'll, I'll even, carefully feel it with my finger or I'll just take a bite. And if I'm like dissatisfied, then I'll add more, but it's like that whole concept of like, you can't, you can't take it back, but you can certainly add it on.
1: Yeah. Right. So, yeah. yeah I, Cause something like ketchup is easier. Cause I'm usually going to just do a pile like squelch it b- it beside my equipment. fries, for example. So although on a burger <clears> or something, but you can get like squeeze like mustard is a squeeze jar, not jar squeeze bottle. So it's, mm-hmm. it's easier than like, you know, the glass jars of ketchup where you're like hitting the bottom and then the whole <laughs> thing comes out on your plate. But I see that, like, I know sighted people have trouble with that too. So it yeah, doesn't yeah. feel so much a blind thing, but yeah,
3: if I'm in, if I'm in company, like if I'm on like a, a date or I'm hanging out with, you know, friends that I am trying to like impress or something, I, I don't do this as much, but if I'm with somebody I'm like pretty comfortable with, and we're just hanging like I'm, I'm a little more inclined to like use like the tip of my finger to determine things mm-hmm. a bit more.
1: Um, yeah, but- I have heard people suggest like almost like pour the syrup over your finger kind of. So you feel how much is coming out as it's going onto your plate,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: I don't like getting messy.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: like getting sticky. So, <laughs> but if I'm with people I'm comfortable <laughs> with, I just ask them to do it for me, honestly. Cause that's, I, I do want syrup. I just don't wanna I I don't want to make a mess of it and have to Mm -hmm. clean my entire kitchen because there's syrup everywhere. (laughs) enough. And it gets everywhere.
2: Yeah, just uh, sneaky. It's sneaky like this. So what is the dish you're most proud of cooking?
1: Can I say tuna casserole? (laughs) Yeah, why not? (laughs) No, I don't know if that is. I, I don't have a dish honestly, but um I like the casseroles. I like the things that you can throw all the ingredients into or even something in a crock pot because that is more an Instapot, even though it takes all day. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't have a specialty. What about you, Keisha?
3: I mean, anytime that I'm able to like there's been times where I've cooked a meal by myself where I've had like eight things going at once. Um, and anytime that I can pull that off and have things mostly come out at the same time and, and they're taste good. I'm like, wow, high five to me. But, um, one meal that I really remember just totally hitting the mark with, I was super proud of it. And I was cooking it for my roommates and I, I, I made like this Thai peanut chicken with like ginger carrots and like garlic, like deliciousness and it was just like this whole meal and I just remember like it was one of those multi-fasted meals where they everything was in a different pot and I was trying to like you know it was a new recipe so it was a risk and then um it all came out like probably the best thing I've ever made um and I was just I gave it to my roommates and I was like guys like be excited <laughs> <laughs> And it was awesome <laughs> because wow. a couple days before that, I think I'd like burnt a batch of cookies cause I like forgot uh, to set the timer. And so they
1: were like, really Keisha? Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's impressive. Good for you. Thank you. This has been so great. Uh, yeah. Thanks Colby for all these great questions and thanks Keisha. We needed somebody here who. Has has some serious experience in the kitchen. Thank you for being <laughs> yes.
3: here. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Thank you.
1: You've been listening to Limitless, the Blind Beginnings podcast. If you have a question, a comment, a future topic request, please send us an email to limitless at blindbeginnings.ca. Please share our podcast, like, subscribe, leave us a rating, and
0: join us next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Blind Beginnings, an organization based in Vancouver, Canada, that supports children and youth who are blind or partially sighted, along with their families. Music for this podcast is composed by Sean Bishop and Clement Chow. Production and audio editing by Rob Minot. For more information about Blind Beginnings and the work it does to support children and youth who are blind and partially sighted, along with their families, Visit us on the web at www.blindbeginnings.ca and also remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next time.